How are you doing, the old chucker? Good, all being good. Just enjoying some some coffee and dreams. <laughs> Stuff. I have some tea and cocktails. <laughs> Time Double was, tea bag. Was, oh God, Sheppy. I mean, we're doing cocktails. Well, I get cocktails and dreams as a prescribed title for this pod, and we're both drinking yeah. hot beverages. It's the saddest I story know. of all time. What can you do? I need to be sharp. Um, this is going to be epic. Um, so, so we we should probably get it on because <laughs> I can't bloody. Wait. I, I I'm unnaturally excited about this one, Sheppy. I cannot wait to hear what you've done. I can't wait to be done. And and it went on such a like a weird journey for me, which I'll talk about in a moment, like where I, I assumed I would do lots of things and then I just haven't. <laughs> I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> well, well listen, don't again though, you know, United Front, don't 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 apologize for anything or anything. No like apologies. <laughs> this is it. That's that should be the tagline. Welcome to Shoulders of Giants. I'm Jimmy. Hello, I'm Sheppy. Very pleased to see you all. See you all. Well, I don't even know. I was going to say meet you all, but what does that what does that even mean? But yes, <laughs> yes, here we are, Jimbo. And today, well, Jimbo, as Stan Lee said, every podcaster, and this isn't a paraphrase, this is an exact quote from Stan Lee. Every podcast is someone's first podcast. So what is this podcast about? Sheppy, we're all about pitches to one another that include prequels, sequels, and alternate universes, and possible different ways that various different movies could go. So <laughs> it's sequels and things to films that don't, uh, sequels that don't exist, our own idea for sequels, our idea for prequels, not saying they're better than what does or could exist, just, hey, what about this? It's interesting, maybe it is, I don't know. Is it? Let's find out. So yes. <laughs> Yes, it's pitches um, about, oh, wouldn't this be an interesting idea? Uh, we're living in the world of Cobra Kai being a sequel to an 80s uh, series of films. We're living in a world of uh, like uh, many Terminator films that undo previous sequels and so forth. And, you know, Highlander 3 undid Highlander 2 back in the day in the 90s. Uh, there was almost a Robocop two that cancelled out the existing Robocop two. There was almost an Aliens two that then didn't quite happen that would have been a direct sequel to Aliens. All these things, it's very nice. What an exciting universe we live in. Now I mentioned Cobra Kai Jimbo, which is a great show and Karate Kid, you know, what are you gonna do? Great, in a, you know, it's fine. But point being, that's very nice for today's exciting installment. It works very well. You suggested this. What are we going to talk about today? Well, last week, Sheppy, or yeah, last week, I think it's appropriate to say. Sure, we, let's, yeah. let's not break the illusion. <laughs> uh, I, I suggested, I was very prescriptive, unnaturally prescriptive, I think it's fair to say, that I, I said, look, I, I want yeah. this to be, I gave you the title as well of Cocktails and Dreams. It is essentially... A, a rip-off of the Cobra Kai format insofar as we're going back to 80s property and we're going to create a TV show about it. And I wanted your season one, essentially, and what that looked like. Cobra Kai ripped us off. Let's just be clear about <laughs> this. We've talked about our Beverly Hills Cop 16, you know, before, but there was, you know, and we've talked about our Jaws 27 before, but let's, let's you know, 
credit where credit's due, Cobra Kai will be sued and the suing will be up, done by us. That's all I have to say about it. But yes, yes, a sequel to the 90, a, a sequel TV show as produced in 2021 to the 1988 Tom Cruise starring vehicle of Cocktail. Uh, amazing. Jimbo, about the 1988 Tom Cruise starring vehicle Cocktail, what's your personal relationship with the film? And more or less, what's our, if we have one, personal in terms of our friendship connection to Cocktail, which this may or may not be controversial. It's, I've, I've said it before, I said it in 2000 at a party, I think at your, your place in London, Jimbo. Um, Cocktail sucks. It's a bad film, and I've always thought so. Uh, so, so that's that's exciting. What what do you say to that? I catch it and agree with it, Sheffy. And agree with it. I <laughs> feel like the first time I saw Cocktail was without you. I think it was a. I I, I won't go as far as to say it was a cheated on you, but I remember like cuts deep. You know, yeah. The family had another family which had kids of exactly the same age and they would pop around of a Saturday and we'd get a Chinese takeaway and, and a video. And um, I remember Top Gun was Did you go to Man Fies or did you cheat on him as well? I cheated on Man Fies as well. I don't know. But anyway, that, that look, we were... But 12, it was which is important. Time. Yeah, like we didn't have well, our vote in these matters was not, did not carry the weight it would these days. But um, <laughs> the, uh, yeah, so I, I remember the video coming out because we'd seen Top Gun and that was, you know, probably barring a little 80s sex scene, you know, between Tom and Kelly McGillis, sort of actually borderline appropriate. You could just about get away watching that with kids. Cocktail probably stretch the line of whether or not, I mean, my, you know, my little sister Vicky was there and she was three years younger than me and I would have been, I want to say 12 or 13, max. They are boobies. There are boobies, adult themes, should we say, Sheppy. Um, There's but, suicide. You know, yes, there is. And and we're, we're um, it's a time where Cruz can sort of just get away with anything. And he's a real sex symbol in a way that he just isn't now. You know, well, he's, he's, he's almost like the TM of sex symbols from anyone from the 80s or 90s. Cruise and then Pitt were the ones. They were the hot stuff. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And he just and, and, and anyway, look, I mean, my, so my relationship is I remember the movie. I remember loving it and think it was brilliant yes. and the best thing ever. And having the soundtrack and listening to Kokomo and wanting to go on holiday and also. <laughs> Um, but I do know that you and I obviously have a bit of a relationship with it too, because then you know we we watched it. I want to say at least twice together, surely. Wow. I mean, <laughs> well, let me say this. I I remember watching it with you, and I remember we fixated on Elizabeth Shoe's spinning of a ketchup bottle, which we I'm sure knew that it was not. You know, we I don't know if it was ironic if we can say it was that far advanced in our humour, but you know that it's a film filled with cool flippers and spins and things, and we were very taken with Shoe's. You want some ketchup? And also, the, <laughs> even more than that. <laughs> I want to just say quick, Chef, yes. I got a shiver just then, because I don't think I'd pulled the thread that the ketchup bottle was basically like, mm. you know, um, whose gun is it? 
<laughs> I can't remember whose gun is it. It has to go off at the end of the movie if you play it. But you know, Pavlov's gun what? is it? Something like that. You know, but if you, you mean the... if you see a gun, you have to have the gun fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what if you see a ketchup bottle, you've got to skin it. Yeah, I, I, I <laughs> if think you spin... came up with that. <laughs> if you spin bottles in the first scenes, you have to have a payoff and the, the bottle is the gun and shoe is oh, like, the I, 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 look, I mean look, that's wonderful. I have to say, I don't think anyone's spinning in a bottle was building up to shoe picking up a, and doing a little spinny. But look, that's great. Yes. Let me say this. Um, even more than shoe spinny bottle ketchup maneuver, I will say that uh, pizza for a breakfast better than a red eye is something which really you, it became an us quote, but you're the one who really instigated that. So I'm putting that down to your Chinese takeout palaver with really focusing on that angle because yes, eating a pizza for breakfast now, which I, you know, I, I dabble occasionally, I will say out loud to whoever's there, often no one, I'll say pizza for breakfast better than a red eye. So that's really the last thing, that quote from this film is, is the lasting connection that I have with it. I definitely saw it when I was young with you, and I probably inappropriately saw it in an awkward way with my mum, maybe. I, you're saying we saw it at least twice, I'm not going to dispute it, but I only remember watching it once properly with you and that's that's my only memory really but I'm sure I saw it more than once and then I saw it again around 2000 2001 I had a job and I was working and I got to see the film through that um, and I it made me angry it made me really angry about how much I disliked this film um, Cruz is a horrible character he's smug the film is on his side and all he wants to do is, is make money fast, which is, you know, okay, nothing wrong with that, but it's so capitalist and so yuppie and so greed is good, but unlike Wall Street, like I say, the film is on his side and he makes mistakes and, that's, and, and they are meant to be mistakes in the film, but it doesn't change him from being so unlikable. Um, now, I re-watched this film. I did not re-watch certain other films in the past, but I thought in this case, I needed to re-watch this one more so than say Mrs. Doubtfire, because I, I, you know, okay, I knew that it ended with him and Shu being together, spoilers and cocktails and dreams, their future plan for this bar was, was born. But that's all I really remembered. And I didn't want to just do something, you know, off the top of my head, you know, and obviously I didn't also want to be swayed too much by the Cobra Kai template. So I rewatched it uh, with my poor girlfriend. Um, but, you know, we, we, we actually did, by kind of coincidence, we did a double bill. We did a cruise double bill. And I say coincidence because it really wasn't planned. But the film we watched during the day was Edge of Tomorrow or Kill, Die, Repeat, Live, Eat go again, shoot, pray, leaves, whatever it's called, um, Edge of Tomorrow, um, yeah. The Only Way is Yak. Um, that's great. So we watched that and then we watched, um, and what's interesting is the first few minutes of that film of Edge of Tomorrow, Cruz in a very rare move in the first five or 10 minutes plays himself as unlikable, plays his character as unlikable, which is rare, of course, you know, for someone like that. But it was nice to see that because then seeing him play unlikable, perhaps accidentally in Cocktail, um, it put it in a, a nice perspective. And yes, 
he made Cruz's career is very much before Top Gun and after Top Gun, and Top Gun was the one that made him Tom Cruise, and Cocktail was his Hollywood studio movie, you know, strategic, I dare say. Uh, he made Rain Man, he made Born on the Fourth of July, he made The Color of Money, I believe he made Color of Money before Cocktail, and, and he made, you know, one for me, one for them type thing. So I don't begrudge him. And the flippy bottles is impressive. Um, but again, the character and the character's aims and goals and dreams are unlikable. Now, I will say quickly one more thing about this. I found out uh, that, so the lady who's married to Brian Brown in the film, who's played by Kelly Lynch, and she plays someone called Kerry, um, she said in an interview uh, that the film was originally darker and more complex and the studio got their hands on it and did a, a, a Joss Whedon, re they refilmed about a third of it um, and made it more soap opery and also made her role much, much smaller. So somewhere out there is a more mature, uh, darker, apparently more complex version of this film. I don't know. It's not harder to make a more complex version of this film, but that's interesting. So, you know, that's, I didn't know that. So, you know. I'd love to see really, that as a curio. I would like to see that too. Yeah, yeah. Because good or bad, there's certain movies that just get into your bloodstream because of the time you saw them, aren't they? And, and you know, yes. this is one of those, but I yes. I fully agree with everything you said, Sheppy. And I love Cruz being an ass. I love yes. the beginning of Edge of Tomorrow for that because it did feel <laughs> he was channeling his 80s-ness. I love how yeah. smug he is with old, um, oh, the, the Irish fella. Oh, I'm forgetting his bloody name now. Um, in you know, Edge of Tomorrow, Gleason, Brendan yeah, Gleeson. Yeah, yes. that's a great Now we can scene, watch Brendan Gleeson while we eat. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, it's great. It's great. Um, no, he's, he's, he's very good. I like Cruz. I don't care what they say. I like Cruz. Um, and he always gives it his all. 80s Cruz. Yeah, he's so smug. But all right. This is right. good stuff. Was there anything else you wanted to add about Cocktail and it? When was the last uh, time you saw it? I assume you... Yeah, did. I haven't revisited Sheppy because I feel like I remember it so vividly. <laughs> no, even, yeah, of course. How could you not? <laughs> even including, like, you know, the little twins twist at the end, you know, which... Well, I, I'm glad... I, yeah, yeah, I'd forgotten about that. So that's, that's obviously helpful to know going into yeah. a sequel about the fact that, yes, yeah. at the end... Well, listen, maybe we should say very quickly, maybe we should have said this right at the top, for anyone who's listening who doesn't know what Cocktail is, if you had to explain what it is really quickly, uh, 1980s, young guy wants to make it in the world. He wants to be a businessman, but he, he he didn't have a college degree. He goes to all these interviews at the beginning, and you know I'm willing to start at the bottom. Your expectations are too high. That's another one from our past. And, and <laughs> but he doesn't have any degree. He just goes to these things, and we as the audience are meant to be like, oh oh no, why aren't they giving him a job? These stiffs, these Wall Street back cats. He hasn't been. He's just got out of the army at the beginning of the film. I've forgotten that as well. Um, goes to the big city to make it big um, and he becomes a barman, bartender and he makes friends with this Australian guy, Brian Brown, who's a, he starts off being quite nice and he turns out to be not very nice. Uh, and then he, and then Tom Cruise, he jumps forward three years, about halfway through the film. And it's jarring that as well, isn't it? Is it still it's jarring? It's always been jarring. Yeah. It's all, well, it's, I've always used that as the, like, I don't like it when films do big time jumps other than and like an epilogue or a prologue. I don't like a mid film 
time jump. It really takes me out. And I and my first experience of that was cocktail. So I don't know, that's a chicken or the egg type and, situation. And with cocktail, given the haircuts are just all over the place all the time. And speaking, I guess your point around they refilmed half an hour of it. But I just I think it just, you just, I mean, Cruz looks no different than the day before. Like, just give him a beard or something. Like, oh, okay, like, that's a good like, point. To be like, it's just so, <laughs> so weird. And then Brian Brown looks exactly the same. It's just, you know, it's just really weird. It's all valid. It. I mean, you know, it's three years later. They don't need to have crow's feet or like, a, you know, I, 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 Jimbo, that's the least of it. But yes, he's a bartender. He becomes very successful. He meets Elizabeth Shue. They have sex. He cheats on her. She sees. And he becomes a toy boy. It's really random. He moves back to New York and becomes like this paid for himbo and then he go leaves her and he goes back and says to shoe i'm really sorry i made a mistake and then her dad's rich and is like oh you're in trouble now cruise and he says no way man i'm taking this chick out of here and that's the end and then they go off and they open this bar called cocktails and dreams together and she says i have twins in my belly and they're yours and he's like oh drinks from the house and that's the end of the film uh <laughs> weird stuff but i like it uh, okay, yes. So Jimbo, <laughs> tell I me love about it. cocktails and dreams. Okay, I'll dive into mine, Shep. So let me just open her up. <clears throat> All right. Well, let me say this, Sheppy. The um the the tagline to cocktails to cocktail I should say oh god like I'm one so of the glad you mentioned that oh my god of all time like, I'm, I'm actually gonna I'm say so to glad my top you mentioned five. that top five easy it's 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 my you know it yes I love the tagline, and I've, I've got to think for taglines. Yes, Jimbo, you're so right. Um, the tagline for cocktail is in my top three, probably. What is the tagline, Jimbo? When he pours, he rains. You see, that's that's amazing. And rains, you know. Oh yeah, it's this felt is the like, you know, he's, he's, yeah, yeah. It's 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 clever. When he, it, it's so clever. There's that, and uh, the juror. I think, uh, or is it the judge? Yeah, no, it's the judge um, with Robert Downey Jr. And the tagline for that is defend your honor. And he has to defend his dad, who's the judge, who's your honor. Oh my God. And he's defending his honor. Oh, it's, <laughs> so when he when he pours, he reigns. And, and that are, to, are right up there. And I haven't seen the judge. And I don't even know if that's totally what it's called. But yeah, there you go. Yes, yeah, sorry, Jimbo. But yes, thank you for Bloody love that. It. Well, I've gone, um, this is absolutely, and, and it's not me apologising, but it is just, it, how can it possibly even compete with the top three? I like that. But look, here's my, it's, it's not even a movie, but I just thought, look, if I had to give like a, a tagline for you got a season, tagline. Oh. I've got a tagline. So um, the point is basically, it's rubbish. It's rubbish, but it's rob okay. from the rich and give to the poor, P-O-U-R. <laughs> okay that's good stuff but it's, it's kind stuff. of the theme if you like it's kind of where i'm trying to go with it a little bit so um so i I've, i want to pull through so just to give you the vibe i want to bring in some of the iconic iconography of the movie so we want some exclusive can, I, can I ask very quickly sorry um in terms of the show how many episodes and what's the length of each episode i'm going for 10 i'm going for the old 40 45 mark yeah nice I don't think there's a lot of legs to this story, to be honest with you, Sheppy, really. Um, but we'll see. We'll see what you think at the end. But I, I feel like it's certainly not a 20-odd uh, epa, you know. It'd right. be, yeah, because it's actually not very comedic. I don't think I've gone in 
it's going to have some light humour in it, a bit like the original cocktail did. It's going to be a mess. Like the original cocktail, cocktail is a drama. Let's not forget, <laughs> yeah. it is a drama. It's, it wants to be a melodrama. Um, do you see this as a standalone, one and done series, or do you see the potential for more? If let it's me tell successful? you. Let me tell All you right, that. Yes. So yes, I, I, yes. I, you can tell me at the end. It's a question for you. I feel like yes, there is probably, but there's a couple of things I assumed I might do at the end of the season, and I brought them forward because I just thought, no, screw convention. And uh, yes, so like I'll, I'll give you those moments when they happen. But I've got, so I, just pulling through just the general vibe and feel of it, you know, it's going to be gunning for melodrama, but actually missing. <laughs> and, uh, and also a little sprinkles sticking to of brand. comedy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> sprinkles of silly comedy bits um, and, nice. and characters that are a little bit all over the place and haircuts are very length inconsistently. Um, <laughs> And then um, I'm thinking, like, you know, we, we've got to pull through some exclusive Manhattan bars. We also need then the sort of the lower socioeconomic bars as well and that kind of thing, so the sort of suburbs around New York. I don't know whether I'm going to bring back Jamaica, but certainly I want there to be another um, kind of glamorous island life moment at some point, you know what I mean? But that's possibly season two stuff, a little bit like they did with Cobra in Japan. Nice, yes. Um, and then, plus... The Aussie Outback, Sheppy. So there you go. There's a little tease oh. for where we might be going here. So I'm going to give you nice. the cast. And I. so this is kind of in order of the people and how much they're going to be in it. And then there's going to be a couple of others that land <laughs> as I go through, okay? So I want them to land when they land. So we've got um, Florence Pugh as Maddie oh. Mooney slash Flanagan. So nice. she's taken her mother's maiden name again. So again, for those listening who may not be totally familiar with Cocktail, uh, this would be then Cruz's daughter? Yeah, totally. And so, and, and I've gone with the twins, I've pulled the thread, thread of twins, non-identical twins. So I've got Florence Pugh's Maddie Mooney slash Flanagan, Nicholas Holt, because I've always oh. thought he looks very similar to Cruz in a couple of movies, oh. um, as, uh, as Brian Mooney slash Flanagan slash Junior, nice. I guess. Nice. Um, we've got Shoe Back, is Jordan Mooney, and she's going to be in every app. She's a recurring character. She's properly signed on here. She's in. Nice. Um, so those are the three key characters to tell you to start with. Okay, nice. So we open with, and this is the cold open, Sheppy, cold open, um, a montage, or slight montage, like a rough working man's hand pumping out beer. Um, uh -huh. The beer's swilling all over the place. You know, there's, there's glasses dripping all over trays and surfaces. This isn't the flaring bottle spinny niceness. This is a real spit and sawdust bar. To be honest, it's a shack, really. Very rowdy, very local. Lots of working miners, probably, but working men, certainly. And, um, and then that would be in, not uh, underage drinking miners, but kind of the That's a very important differential, you're right. <laughs> and, uh, then the chattering stops and the, the, the whole kind of vibe stops, silence. There's a backpacker in her 20s standing in the doorway. They haven't had a traveller through there in, in at least two years. You know, she's got a rucksack clip. She's got the, the essentially the outback behind her. She looks like she's been on a small pilgrimage. She's a bit sweaty to get there. This is Florence Pugh. This is essentially Maddie Mooney. And she says, has anyone seen Bruce Co Coughlin? I don't know if I'm saying it. Coughlin? It's Coughlin. Isn't it? I think Coughlin. Coughlin. I might Let's be wrong, Coughlin. but I think it's Coughlin. 
So um, has anyone seen Bruce Coughlin? And the barman gives it the who wants to know. And the barman <laughs> is Brian Brown playing right. uh, Bruce Coughlin. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, he's doing a proper Back to the Future 2 playing his own son type thing. He's playing his own brother, Sheppy. He's playing right, his own right. brother. And it's like... It's not, an, it's not another twin set I view this as, you know, just a nudge to the right. You know, it's just a little, it looks, he's going to look bloody yes. older because he's Brian Brown yes. for that sake and he's now probably in his 70s. But he's, yes. he's playing Bruce Coffey. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> the Brown is back, baby, right? So, um, so That's great. So Pew obviously approaches him, yada, yada, yada. He's basically a gruffer version of Doug you know, who stayed in Oz, never left, never left the continent. His brother was, you know, the showboater asshole sort of thing. This guy's got true nice values, but he's just a gruff soul, if you know what I mean. And Salt of the earth. Yeah. And it turns out through, you know, quick dialogue between the two of them, um, her uncle Pat, Maddie's uncle Pat, has passed on. Um, it turned out that actually he, he didn't own the bar after all. Um, I always wondered, how did Cruz just open that? But he had no money. They ran out on the family, you know, the Moonies. And, um, yeah. and, and, they, and yet they managed to get the bar. I can't help but feel Uncle Pat basically helped him out, basically. But, um, but any, any, any sense, Uncle Pat's passed on. It's turned out that Uncle Pat had owned Cocktails and Dreams. It turns out he didn't really own the bar after all. And one of the last gestures of Doug before he killed himself was to bail out Uncle Pat and help out and put a massive stake in Uncle Pat's bar. Um, and, and just as a sort of a, trying to make up for all the crap he gave Brian and all the stupid bets and the way he led right. him astray and all that sort of stuff. Um, and then, and so, but you know, really in the end, this fella's having none of it, <laughs> you know, of, of Bruce Coughlin. And, um, and he's basically just gives it to him. I'm, I'm giving you all this. This this will probably be teased out of the first step. It doesn't necessarily happen yeah. at once. But uh, it gives her the, you know, can you pour? Because uh, while she's been talking, the bar's built up and he's getting a lot of banter from the locals. And um, so she comes back to sort of just help out and uh, tries the first one. It just foams up and bladders everywhere. She tries again and it runs. And then it runs to nice, clean... Um, beer, you know, and uh, and then that then cuts to nice clean whiskey being poured into like a a big old uh, you know um, cocktail tumbler. thing tumbler, yeah, and uh, and then we've got two barmen doing the full flare in New York in an exclusive club for a huge crowd, and uh, these guys are nondescript. It doesn't really matter who the barmen are, but they're just doing you know the flare that's now. 30 years on, which is even more spectacular, if you know what I mean. And this is now Brian Mooney's birthday, which technically is obviously hers as well. But um, lots of superficial well-wishers around him. Um, and um, and and he, he's sort of like, you know, giving it the big one. He's kind of a bit of a, um, he's like a trying to be Wolf of Wall Street. You know, he's uh, he's at that sort of spot. He's very low down on the, the Wall Street pecking order, but he's there and he's trying to make the money, a bit like his dad uh, wanted to. Uh, get a little bit of that, get a bit of a sense of the superficiality of his life. Shu calls him from her studio and he ducks out to take the call. He's not that bad a son. To, and um, and he's to say happy birthday. Um, I thought about Shu being at the party too. I thought about Shu having a, a bow, a new bow. And um and and with a sort of uh, maybe a 
where's dad moment shoe like almost to tease the crews might be there only to find out mm. like it's Rob Lowe or something it's been the stepfather <laughs> who was there the whole time you know but I think no screw all that there's going to be more than enough going on so we've got shoe calling him and then um and and look so they have a bit of chat and obviously his sister isn't there she's down under she's never been one for birthday she's the one with the values and all of that sort of thing you know and um and wouldn't be having any of it he seems to love this lifestyle but really it's on mummy's family's credit card um you know, I put here, yeah, he's 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 saved some finance, wouldn't even be on the Wolf of Wall Street's radar though. And um, so there's lots of opportunity to kind of pull that little thread. We've then got um back to Australia. And I sort of see it, you know, doing the dovetail a bit, certainly for, for the first season, Sheppy, where where Pew basically is gonna stay over at Coughlin's house and basically and essentially that's kind of the arc there. You know, she's gonna be on this old shacky farm thing as well. Um, and and essentially, you know, lots of fun there to be had around, you know, red eyes for breakfast. <laughs> it must be a family thing. Nice. Um, you know, she starts to uh, slowly, you know, over the course of the season, sort of win over the, the local lads and what have you. I should have said as well, on you know, there, there's also a Zoom back home to shoe in episode one um, where, you know, it's another birthday without dad. And then, and uh and, and Pew gives it, well, at least he didn't write us a poem, you know, sort of that sort of thing, you know. And, uh, yeah, nice. So while um, one, one of the interesting things there is that basically the local shack in Australia is going to is actually going to be closed. Um, there's foreclosure on the pub. It's the one spot where all these um, local working miners still have. Um, so it's kind of the heart of the community. And um, so she's kind of there trying to think of a way to help them save it. There's no money. There's no money. She was hoping to go there to get some money to just, you know, maybe do something with cocktails and dreams. We're going to come to that in a moment. Um, but there's no money to save that far. There's no money to save this place. And in amongst, um, you know, her staying with, uh, with with Bruce, there's a box of Doug's belongings. And of course, in there, a picture of him and Cruz at the beach in Jamaica or something, you know, lots of opportunity for nuggets there, Sheppy. I was thinking maybe... I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's like a pizza from 30 years ago. But anyway, she finds the deed that does suggest that Doug had a stake in, in Uncle Pat's bar. Um, and, um, and, and it's very clear he wanted to make it right. Um, and then I haven't got a lot more, but I wanted to give you a couple of other silly That's things stuff. here, right? Redemption for Brown. I'm all for that. Yeah, man. And so at the end of the first episode, and possibly every episode, we um, get an extract from a diary that was um, found in that box as well. <laughs> and Bruce confirms maybe in episode three or something after we've had the first couple of extracts from the diary that Doug wrote down everything his dad, their dad said, even though his dad was full of shit all the time and probably a bit of a drinker and probably a bit, of a, um, bit handy with his fists. Um, but it pulls down on that little um, Coughlin's law of like, you know, all the Coughlin's, the rest of Coughlin's laws are full of shit, you know. And then and so it's kind of like it was his dad, you know, and that sort of thing. But anyway, I, I like the idea of there being a little diary full of this shit. <laughs> and almost like That's Captain Kirk's log at the end, you know, we get we get a Coughlin law every episode, possibly. Yeah, no, but that's a, nice. A it's nice a bit of a one. Wonder Years, really. Totally, <laughs> And like the, the full timber of Brian Brown, you know, giving it yes. the full Aussie. And um, and at the end of this first step, we get something like, you know, 
we might think we're done with the past, but the past is all, always has room for last orders. And so we've had this whole little opening thing where we've basically got the um, you know absent father. He's been away for years. Um, we've got the um, you know we, we've got this outback shack that's going to be foreclosed but it's the heart of the community we've got obviously um maddie on a bit of a pilgrimage to try and find herself having been without her father for a while but really you know wanting to try and make some sense of it we've got brian who's kind of the the wannabe wall street guy but is really kind of not very good at being on that, being <laughs> in, in, in that job um, and and that's then, halt yeah totally whole <laughs> totally and then um and then basically we then end the app with this coughlin law sort of over the top of it and um and then we we got brian jr playing basketball on his lunch break with some of the guys you know from work in a car park and then he starts stops playing and his partner you know it's one of those double team ones you always see in america and his partner's like yo what the fuck man what are you doing like that and, and brian jr is just looking off to the side of the court and on the side of the court you've just got Cruz there with his hands in his pockets <laughs> He's got a big beard, so I'm putting that right from the cocktail oh. movie. And the episode just ends with a happy birthday, BJ. <laughs> and I'm going there with BJ, by the way, and I'm keeping it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and that's it. That's the end of that first ep as well. I figured, I always that's assumed great. that'd be end of first season you bring Cruz in. But no, no, I'm going first ep. You're happy getting birthday, right in BJ. there. And I'm going for this, Sheppy. I want this to be, this is going to be about the, the bar industry post-pandemic. It's going to be about saving two entities, one in Australia where the locals come to, and then the other entity being the soul of Brian Flanagan, who fled when he realised how hollow his bar dream had become and that he didn't actually really have the stake he thought. It wasn't even Uncle Pat's. It wasn't even a family business cocktail dreams. It was his old friend Doug still sticking it to him is the way he's perceived it. Um, but, ah. you know, his son wanting to realise his father's dream in Brian Jr. And, but that's such a folly. His daughter, you know, essentially out trying to save herself etc of course Cruz tries to rekindle the shoe but it's been five years and um, I sort of see this as actually turning into a bit of a Jerry Maguire type you know a man in search of his soul but a bit harder nose that yes. they can't save the Aussie pub in season one um, so that's foreclosed at the end of the season instead of it being a cruise reveal we've had a bit of cruise and he's trying to sort of get his life together and um, but shoes in a car accident at the end and um and so pew's coming home from australia having made like lots of like local character friends you know and had some fun with all of that stuff and bruce is like I, I'll, I'll go with you because he's got that kind of little bit of a connection with her now and um and so you you kind of have the end of that essentially with possible reunion of actors if not characters in uh wow. brown and so, Bruce coming together in season two i mean it seems well, yeah, I mean, yeah, there's no question I would like a season two. I mean, I want to know if Shu is going to survive after this car crash as well. I don't want anything to happen to Shu. She's adorable. Um, out of these 10 episodes, will you say that Cruz makes at least a fleeting appearance in all of them? Or I actually, is I, it like, as ridiculous like a, and impossible as it sounds, he's in it. He's, he's, he's not, I think we no, should focus no, more no, on, hey. on, the, on, the, on the kids. Not that Cruz would have any of that. Not that Cruz would even be touching this, but, uh, but you know, I feel like, um, yeah. That oh, you're probably right. I disagree, actually, about kids. that one, Jim. You think he'd come back for this, Sheps? Yeah, well, so I, think, I don't think it's impossible, but, but 
But my original question still stands. So how much per episode is there in Cruise? Is he in like tiny bit of some and heavy in others? Or is it about 10% in all? Not with 10% the first all. Episode? Let's go 10% or all. Where do you... 10% all. Yeah, man. Because yes. I, I want him to have nice. like... But you've got to have the moment where he tries to rekindle with shoe again, you know, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I think... Yes. Well, good stuff. I mean, look, it's not... Yeah, there, there are stranger things. See, five years ago, I would say, no, Cruz wouldn't come back for something. And if it was going to be a sequel to anything, it would be Top Gun. Um, it wouldn't be, yeah. But, you know, it's not so unbelievable. And also, by the way, if he were to come back and, you know, he could conceivably film all of his stuff in like a week or, you know, two weeks at most, just do block stuff. Danny DeVito in his first season of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia type thing. Very, very doable. Whether or not they could afford him, he would have to lower. But it's all, it's all, you know, none of it is absolutely impossible, especially in this day and age of people popping up in TV. So no, that's that's great. That's wonderful, Jimbo. I like it. Uh, that, and I like the whole thing of the outback angle and also not having them save it at the end. And there's, there's stuff for season two. Uh, I'm loving it. Yes, great. I think the uh, main character is double. Maddie. That's my quote. <laughs> I think the I main character is the daughter. Season. I think let's 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 not make it the sausage fest that cocktail was. Let's make the the main character the daughter and the soul. Of cocktail the whole thing sausage is... fest. <laughs> Bloody amazing! Right. All right, man. I really want to hear what bad. you've got. So let's go. Come on! I'm so excited. I can't even. Oh, okay. I can't even sit still. Well, look. I, I made I made notes. Uh, I'm taking my hoodie off. That's just for people at home. Uh, things are getting serious. I'm going to take a separate. I will say, I. Uh, <laughs> are you so a, hot, Chef? Well, you're wringing your sock out with uh, with basically two yeah. liters of water. <laughs> that was another thing that we always went to, isn't it? Yes, he <laughs> rang out his sock, and the idea of being so hot you could wring out your sock and wring out the sweat. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm not that hot because I have taken off my socks many years ago and then not going back on anytime soon. But yes. All right. OK, so look, I, I, I did. This is this is I'm going to try and get through this and I won't tell me if anything is not clear because there are there, there, there are many characters here. This one, it's not my fault. You gave me a 10 episode order. Uh, I didn't write the whole thing, but I did have to stop myself from filling in certain blanks because it was already getting out of control. Um, what I will say in basic um, build up to Cocktails and Dreams, it's 10 episodes, um, which I think, yeah, and it's like Cobra Kai, it's 30 minutes um, an episode. I quite like 30 minute shows these days. It's quite, you know, it, it's nice. Um, what I'm gonna do is I'll just, I'm basically, I, I, I've mapped out more or less the first episode. So I need to tell you that before anything else. And then I'm gonna get into a bit more nitty gritty, but I'm just gonna give you the, 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 the first episode if that's okay, first of all. Is that nice? Yeah, man. Yeah, go for it. Because uh, uh, okay, so um, okay, it's episode one. Uh, we're introduced in a bar to Tommy. Uh, he's about sixteen or seventeen. We're in New York. It's midday, and he tries to buy a drink at this bar, but is refused. Um, he is seen by being uh, by the teenage girl studying homework at the bar. This we learn is Rachel. Uh, Rachel good humouredly mocks Tommy as he's being kicked out and he hits back a bit hard about what sort of sado does her homework in a bar 
we find out that it's her mother's place, best bar in New York, a real bar. He says he'd never work in a place like that. Uh, he mentions that his grandfather owned a bar. Uh, he talks of bars and the history with bars in his family. His mother never let his father go to any bars because of her bad blood. Uh, he hasn't seen his father in five years. Tommy and Rachel, they get out of the bar, they hit it off. Uh, he is a bit wrong tracks. Uh, she's, you know, independent with tinges of rebellion. Uh, they wander around the district in New York. Uh, we see some ads here and there in the background or maybe some lingering shots of this chain of bars which is you know heavy everywhere being advertised for cocktails and dreams um Rachel ignores these but Tommy can't look away uh during their conversation um as they walk around uh she takes him for the best chili in the neighborhood for some reason but that's what I've got here he uh he leans he learns that she is close-ish with her mum who owns the bar but she thinks her grandmother is super cool this leads him to telling her that he's not close to his family at all but his grandma has recently come into his life and he is in town on her behest to visit his estranged grandfather she at one point quips uh, a witty limerick and tommy says quite clearly that he hates poets all poets uh, rachel and tommy uh, eventually part he says he's now going to go and visit his grandfather that evening and she wishes him luck. Uh, before they uh, part after this fairly intense date, uh, they, they've gone on very well and they kiss before parting. It starts as like a little small kiss, little lip brush, but it sort of organically grows and they allow it to become a full-on smooch uh, kiss that has a power they're both taken aback by. Uh, I, oh I God, Shippy, right please now. don't go away. Where no, I'm not going. going. I'm not going where, where you think I'm going. I'm going okay. to be very clear. That, no, um, they're not brother and sister. I'm going to say that right. Thanks, man. Um, that was getting you're tense. Okay. <laughs> you're okay. Um, so we we see Rachel go home to her mother uh, in the. It's a decent but basic apartment above the bar. Uh, she has uh, Rachel has a younger half sister who's seven and a stepfather. Her mother's called April and she asks what she's been up to and Rachel lies and says nothing, nothing. But the mother has heard from her staff, the bartender, about her leaving her homework and going off with this underage drinker wannabe. They have this big argument, the mother and the daughter, you will respect me, I'm your mother. Oh, because you're so close with grandma. Uh, that gets nasty. We, we learn that Rachel can be quite nasty in an argument. Um, and she has more planned for her life than perhaps her mother April is uh, is ready for or even aware of. Um, now the episode ends with Tommy going to see his grandfather. He's nervous. He's now wearing a suit. He's on the subway. He gets off the subway. He walks past lots of swanky buildings down a nice street and past well turned out people. He enters a cemetery. He stands over a grave. He takes a bottle out of his bag. He takes out bourbon. He flips it, he spins it, he pours it over the grave. As he pours, we see the gravestone read, here lies Douglas Coughlin, husband, father, 1951 to 1988. Dream big, Coughlin's law. Tommy finishes emptying the bottle, drops it on the grave and says, hi, Gramps, I'm Tommy, and we have a lot of work to do. Credits, end of episode one. <laughs> Perfect. I love that he spins the bottle over the crack. Yeah, yeah, he spins it. He does a spin and a flip. I can see it in my mind. Now, 
there's either a mid credit sting here or it's going to be a reveal probably maybe pre-credit episode two or maybe during episode two at some point but the way I, I thought of it was actually it was going to be a sting because it's essentially the same twist so I don't want to overdo it but uh, even at the, in the, it, let's say either pre-cred episode two or mid-credit sting episode one uh, we cut to back to New York street now we see Rachel walking down the street in another very nice area very very swanky apartment it's lush outside it's vast and marble inside it's this huge entrance Rachel despite looking out of place in her vaguely bohemian clothes seems very comfortable in this very hoi polloi environment she breezes straight in past reception and to the lift she says to the lift operator penthouse he says yes ma'am she steps into a very expansive achingly expensive setting a butler greets her Hello, miss, may I take your coat? No, thanks, Harvey, just here to see grandma. Is she in? A voice from the next room. Only grandma? No love for me? Rachel turns, forces a smile and says, hi, grandpa, it's Cruz. He smiles, credits. <laughs> so, yes, so essentially it is the same twist, but it's Cruz, like you, he's there for just a second right there. Um, we find out uh, Tommy meeting Rachel was no coincidence. Now, Tommy is Brian Brown's grandson. Now, bear in mind, um, at the if we're assuming that Cocktail is set in 1988, uh, which is when the film was released, so then the twins would come in 89. So I wanted teenagers to be the focus, and so I couldn't have... So it's, so it's it, you know, everyone's Randy, everyone's having kids early. Uh, so Rachel is Cruz's grand, Cruz and Shoe's granddaughter, and Tommy is um, Brian Brown and Kerry, um, the nasty lady who tried to, you know, who, who was not very nice and who leads to, you know, nasty things. Uh, it's, it's her, it's their grandson, um, which is exciting. We find out that uh, Tommy, um, he, he's sought out his grandmother, um, this blonde, rich lady, uh, Kerry Harper now, but used to be Coughlin, um, and she he, she's poisoned his ear. He's estranged from his father. He's got a sort of a washout mum, and so he sought out the grandma. And she's like, say, she's saying we have to bring down the Flanagan Empire of cocktails and dreams. And you know, she says all the stuff. It's his fault. It's Tom Cruise's fault that your your, your grandfather killed himself and all this stuff. And so he's come to New York to destroy, to pull down the Cocktails and Dreams empire. Uh, I like that. Now, the, the, the general, yeah, the, yeah, Cocktails and Dreams was kind of Doug, Brian Brown's dream uh, as well. Uh, so now Tommy is all about, you know, Brian stole my grandfather's plan after driving my grandfather past the edge, deliberately or just through neglect, right up to his suicide. So there's all this bad blood. Now, I didn't want this to be warring bars because it because I was thinking Cobra Kai and I did it would have been really easy to fall into the, like a, a too much Cobra Kai set. So I, I, I thought to myself, this isn't Cobra Kai, this is Dynasty. Uh, it's proper Dynasty. Uh, Cruz is Blake, Elizabeth Shue is Crystal, 
and Kelly Lynch, uh, Kerry, the grandma, is Alexis. And that's the basic, once, once that locked into place. So there are, there are many characters, and I'm going to try not to go off on one, but I, I sort of built up the universe. But the main focus, like yourself, it's the younger generation. And in this case, it's the boy and girl uh, grandkids um, who he knows who she is, but he, he, she doesn't know that he knows and blah, blah, blah. And at a certain point, of, it, of course, all comes out and there's lots of drama there. Like, you lied to me and, you know, all this sort of thing. Um, the whole show details three generations of Cruise and Shoes legacy. Uh, what happened to the dream of a bar in every mall in America, which is what he, that's all he wants. He wants to open in cocktail. He just goes on about wanting to open a bar in every shopping center in America. That's his dream. That's so cheap honestly. So that, you know, um, and the turmoil within the successful family, it's kind of, um, I mean, it's dynasty. It's dynasty. He's very, very, very successful, is Cruz, and Cocktails and Dreams is massive. Um, Brown's family want what they're owned. They're, um, Flanagan's Dream, you know, um, it's all there. Cocktails and Dreams has taken America by storm. Everyone's flipping bottles. Everyone's having a great time. It's cheap as fuck. Really tacky. Um, so Tommy wants payback. Um, the grandma is very, very malicious. Now, so you've got Brian and Jordan, and that's Cruz and Stu. Now, at the end of Cocktail, she's pregnant with twins. So yes, it's a boy and a girl born in 89. So they're, they're like 32. Um, Randall and April. Now, you never find out what Shu's dad, Mr. Mooney, is called, but I've called him Randall Mooney. So they've called their son, Randall, to try and mend you know, things and fix bridges. But, you know, this, was, this is old news. And I think he's still alive. I checked all the actors to see if they were alive and if they could be in it. Obviously, Brown is not, no brother here. But, but the dad of Elizabeth Shu, who also plays the baddie uh, Spock's brother in Star Trek V, He's still alive, apparently. God knows how old he is. So anyway, he pops up at some point. But the, the twins are Randall and April, and they're in their early 30s. Uh, in classic twin uh, archetype, uh, Randall is the nasty twin. April is the nice twin. Randall has taken over Cocktails and Dreams from Cruise. April owns her own bar. She has nothing to do with her family. She's estranged. She has got a proper, authentic bar just one and it just about makes a living uh, but it's real it's not this mickey mouse you know chain of, of rubbish uh, but when they were younger it was reversed uh, whereas randall was a very quiet bookish academic teen teen and april was a wild child um randall took over the family business um that he's a ruthless wacky twat He's uh, Paul Robinson. He's the JR. Um, he's, you know, he's the villain, but he's not the villain. He's, you know, he's, he's someone you, you, you like to hate, but he's not all bad. And, you know, but yeah, he's JR. He's Paul Robinson. Uh, he's married to Michelle, who's young and very attractive, kind of like a glamour it girl, very glamorous, but, you know, vacuous, very weak. There's no children uh, there. He has a, he's got lots of affairs. She's had lots of affairs. Uh, for him, for Randall, it's all about monopoly and power and money and reputation, his reputation, not his father's reputation. To, um, to Cruz or to Brian Flanagan, he, uh, his son, Randall, is his karma. Uh, Brian coveted yuppie success. 
his bars were not to make people happy or a safe haven where everybody knows your name. Brian's Cocktails and Dreams was about making cash and that's it. Um, now he's mellowed. I see Cruz with his um, uh, collateral hair in this, his Philip Schofield, it's white, which again lends it to uh, the Blake Carrington maneuver. Um, yeah, and, and he, you know, he's mellowed a bit now. He's a bit regretful in his later years of like when he was in his eight, in, in the 80s and in the 90s, when he was really building the empire in the 90s. He was very ruthless. He did a lot of bad things that we haven't seen, but we find stuff out as we go along, uh, which I don't have any details for here, but the, you know, there's stuff. His son, Randall, is the personification of his useful greed. Um, as a youth, Randall really idolized Cruz. Um, but despite all this, he felt like the less loved child because his twin sister April had all the attention because she demanded it with her behavior. No matter what she did, she was always forgiven. Uh, but of course, no matter how much he tried to impress Cruz, his dad, uh, he, you know, it never worked out. So he has resentment to her, his sister, and to his parents, and to Cruz, Brian especially. And he wants to eclipse Cruz's legacy with his own when he takes over the company. Um, Cocktails and Dreams is his to expand. Um, he brought he brought it to airports, which was massively successful. So Randall has done lots of successful stuff. Very lucrative. He's bringing it to Florida, to Arizona, to Nevada. He's bringing it to Vegas. He's found a way to make the brand even cheaper to make select branches of the chain strip joints and gambling dens. Uh, there's a quote he says at some point to Cruz, you took us to strip malls, I just took the malls out of the equation. It's not a good line, but it's, yeah, it's not. Uh, what's the real problem, Dad? Too cheap or not cheap enough? Yeah. And uh, people always told me of my father, the great Brian Flanagan, tell me of these huge shoes to fill, this giant shadow to live in. Well, my shadow's grown, Dad. Maybe it's even covered yours. You know what a shadow is when covered in another shadow? Nothing. You're in my shadow now, Dad, and you're nothing. Again, you know, it's a, it's a soap opera. It's a soap opera. Uh, he's taking the brand global. He's diluting it further. Uh, in episode three, he loses this massive lucrative theme park Disney type deal because of his stripped up club deals. He, so there's a bit of drama here. You know, he's not the total golden boy. Uh, April, his twin sister, uh, Rachel's mother, who owns this authentic bar, uh, she wants nothing to do with it, uh, with the business. She has little contact with her parents or the chain. The bar, her bar is the antithesis of her father's. And she is a mother of two. She is a mother of Rachel, who we've met, who's 16, and Holly, uh, who is seven, through another father. Uh, Rachel is the product of April's wild teens. Uh, there's a bit of controversial dark backstory here. The father isn't mentioned much, um, but we have a revelation in episode four that Cruz paid off this man years ago, much in the same way Mooney Senior tried to pay Cruz, Brian, off back in the day. But this time it worked. So Cruz went to this uh, guy and um, paid him off to leave April and the unborn Rachel alone. And that, of course, that when that revelation comes out, it drives an even deeper wedge between Rachel and her grandfather Cruz, just as they were making progress. And as a little side note, this mysterious father, he turns up in season two with lots of baggage and a very antagonistic story development. So but that's 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 something in the future, which I don't know what that is, but this father definitely turns up in season two. Uh, April's second daughter is Holly, who's 
very he's like seven uh holly is the product of a new relationship with bill bill is a bit bland but he's stable he's an auctioneer he's in his late 40s we don't see too much of him but again there's room to develop that further down the line uh, he's not close with Rachel, though, this stepfather is not close with Rachel, because she is a reminder of his wife's regrettable and wayward past. Um, as a teen, April was indeed off the rails. She got pregnant at about 14 and had an abortion with the support of her mother, Jordan, Elizabeth Shue. But then, like, just a year or two later, she became pregnant again. And this time there was no support, and Jordan refused to help this time. And against her wishes, April had... Rachel. This revelation comes out in a highly inflammatory moment during a massive argument between Brian and Jordan in episode six, and Rachel learns of this and it drives a wedge between her and her mother in episode seven. Um, by the way, April and Randall were very close as children and even as teens for a while, um, even though she was off the rails and he was studious and academic. Um, they stopped being close really when she went off to have her baby, but he wasn't aware that she was pregnant. It was a big secret, it was all hush hush. So he was, you know, she was under observation to make sure she didn't hurt herself or hurt the baby and got even more attention. So that was the final thing that drove them apart. And again, he only finds out that uh, in somewhere in this show. Uh, lots of secrets come to light. Uh, episode five, the middle episode, is a flashback episode uh, set in around the early 2000s, 2004 or something, when April and Randall were in their teens, uh, and it shows the Cocktail and Dreams empire at its very peak, early 2000s. Um, you don't see Cruise and Shoe, maybe like some Cruise in like an interview, you know, on TV or something, but it's not, you know, it's stock footage. Um, I want the same actor and actress to play their teenage versions because I think it would be, um, you know, jarring to have suddenly different actors play. But I know you need a bit of a suspension of disbelief because they're meant to be playing, you know, early 30s and then suddenly they're meant to be like 15 or 16. But, you know, if it works for Peggy Sue got married and, you know, you can age them up a tiny bit, not with makeup, but just a little bit age them up and then age them down you know, and make them look youthful. I think it could work, um, yeah. So we don't see the pregnancy in this flashback episode, but we get to see what they were like. And it sort of adds more stuff if we can see what they were like when they were teens and it makes perhaps Randall more sympathetic and so forth. Um, so, so that's exciting stuff. Brian Flanagan, therefore, in, in the context of the show, is Blake Carrington. He has made a lot of shady choices in his business and personal life. Some of these come back to haunt him and inform his character. He perhaps regrets some of his greed. Um, now, he has um, a second, there's a new character who I've called, and I don't know if this is from something, I originally called him Kent Locke, but that sounds weird. So I called him here Andy Hicks, but that sounds weird too. But let's just call him Andy Hicks for a moment. There's this new character, he's in his 30s. Andy is from humble origins and he works for Cruz, uh, Brian Flanagan. He's earned his trust. He's worked his way up the ladder. He's now the manager of all of the West Coast branches of the chain, which Randall is highly bitter about. Um, he's kind of like the new son that Cruz never had type thing. He's trusted and smart with no personal life to tangle things up in. He's a constant presence in the Flanagan offices and apartments. He's Mr. Fix, 
to the whole family. And so he's this sort of interesting character. Now that's basically, now the season finale, uh, I got a few things. Um, Shu is revealed, and I didn't write too much about the Jordan character, um, but there's a few things. I think she's having an affair, um, perhaps even with Cruz's main rival, perhaps, but she's not, this isn't a bad thing. It's not, she's not shown as being a bad person, but maybe it's a little ambiguous what she's up to. I mean, in this case, there's a big reveal in the season finale that she's a major hidden investor in a rival business. But what does this mean? Spoilers, I don't think she ever becomes a villain. She's actually one of the main good people, even more than Cruz or anything. She's doing some sort of very clever wheeler dealer type stuff. Um, April makes an uneasy peace with her father, Cruz, and comes uh, on board to manage a new bar, a key bar, her idea, a real cocktails and dreams, a real bar, real authentic bar. It, uh, she'll be the manager and if successful, this will be the prototype bar which could pave the way for, for the future of the company. And Randall, of course, is gonna plot revenge on this. This is the ultimate slight. So that's set up in the final episode for the next season. Um, and also, so the main focus of the whole show is Tommy and Rachel and their relationship. A lot of lies, a lot of truth has, comes out. At the end of episode 10, Tommy is finally going to go and meet Brian face to face for the first time. Uh, the key arc of the season has been Rachel and Tommy. He was using her at first, but the truth came out. There were fights and tears and revelations and sex and more revelations and more tears. Uh, but by this point, by episode 10, Rachel knows everything about Tommy. They're on the same page and on the same team. But again, whatever that may be, are they fighting for angels or not? Uh, she convinces Tommy to go up with her to the penthouse to meet Cruz, her grandfather. It's a big, big deal, as his whole drive has been focused on destroying Cruz's universe. But he loves Rachel, and he allows himself to go uh, and meet her, um, to meet Brian. Rachel and Tommy have a very tense ride in the lift going up. They step out onto the floor, and holding hands tightly for support, they approach Cruz's office. Tommy to himself, here we go. As they enter the office, Andy Hicks is leaving and they pass in the doorway. Everyone stops for a second. Tommy and Andy stare at each other. Rachel says, oh, Tommy, this is Andy. Andy says, Tommy? Tommy says, dad? Credits, end of season one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's all about revelations. I'll tell you something else. Uh, so yeah, Andy is Tommy's dad, which means Andy Hicks, uh, is Brian Flanagan's, not Brian, Brian Brown, Doug Flanagan's son, yeah. uh, Coughlin. Yeah, I'm all over the place. Right. I love it. Andy is Brian Brown's son. Andy is Brian Brown's son. Doug and Kerry's son. Kerry, of course, being the evil Alexis character. Maybe born after Doug's death, uh, probably, but maybe even before, you know, maybe she gave birth before he turned up in... in um, the, in the Bahamas or Bermuda, Jamaica. Uh, he has his own agenda. You almost started something, should we? <laughs> I know, right? I was on the edge. Um, so once the truth is out, incidentally, in season two, he does have it out with Cruz. I'm not saying Andy Hicks is even necessarily a villain, but he certainly has his own agenda and he's been worming his way in. 
Doug Coughlin was your friend. Yes, he slept with your girlfriend. Do you know why? Because he thought you'd forgive him. That's right. She was easy. She was trouble. He knew it. He showed you. He saved you and you walked away from him. My dad, Doug, Doug Coughlin, he trusted you to forgive him and you broke that trust and you broke his heart. His suicide was locked the moment you turned your back. That's a meaty scene of confrontation from Love it, Further areas to explore, um, just Shu, uh, Jordan, you know, where is she in her life as the matriarch? Uh, she's got affairs, a long-term affair, an ongoing affair, but again, it's Cruz, you know, he's always been a fairly unlikable, unsympathetic character. So again, this isn't showing her in the worst light, honestly. Um, does Jordan have siblings? Is she still connected with her family and her father? What about her mother? What are the secret business plans and deals that Jordan is doing and what to end? So there's elements there that you can get into. Um, April's ex, so Rachel's father, the one paid off by Cruz, he comes back, of course. Then we think about Brian Brown's family. Does he, I've even written this, does he have a brother? Well, we, we know he does. <laughs> and uh, his sons, uh, and what is his son's family beyond Tommy? You know, what is Andy's uh, situation as well? And then of course you've got um, Lynch, uh, Kelly Lynch. So the Alexis character, the, the grandmother, Brian Brown's ex, Andy's mother. Tommy's grandmother. What other children and grandchildren does she have? She's on her fifth husband. She is Alexis, but her whole family, they really are an evil horde. They're all, everything that came from her. There's a lot of ambiguity in this show, but they are, they're, they're officially all horrible. That's official. Uh, oh yes, and also Cruz's old army buddy in season two turns up. Um, Cruz owes him for getting out of some sort of AWOL situation when they were in a bar fight and they were locked up for the night and he made sure that Cruz was back on the base before morning and so they've got this of you owe me man and maybe he's still in the army and maybe he's even like a general or something by this point but he's no good so he comes onto the scene and that's basically it Jimbo I do of course have some taglines um, and I'm like I say, I'm very glad you mentioned the, the cocktail tagline um, when he pours, he rains because that's genius. I've built on that. Oh, I, I, you know, I got, so my my first. This is for the whole first season. So there are lots of posters. So you can use all of these taglines. There's a few here, but the, the main one: any rain can bring storms, and we both know how rain is spelt. So that's nice, and it's uh, got a dot dot dot. So I like that. Uh, now there's um, another one, stir things up. Another one, drink away the pain. <laughs> I, uh, another one, royalty never apologizes. I, I guess because of like the reigning and you know, they are royalty in this sort of monopoly dynasty sort of thing. So any, yeah. also passions are stirred, emotions are mixed, the weak are shaken. <laughs> um, another one bar fights never last this long <laughs> um, and uh, mix stir enjoy that one's not so good and then the martinis are dirty the shots are flaming and the hits just keep on coming <laughs> I don't even know what that means but that that's my that's my cocktail and dreams uh, template um, Jeppy is spectacularly well considered and thought out absolutely genius absolutely the dynasty whole thread leading into the dollars like that and just all that is just perfect say, 
once it came to me, the dynasty angle, and then the fact that I needed grandkids, which meant that there had to be parents, and they were the twins, and all this sort of stuff. Yeah, in terms of plot, um, it kind of wrote itself because, yeah, it was all there. And then, okay, so they find out here, and who's his dad? Oh, maybe he works for him. Or... So, yeah, it's. it's the Andy reveal is wonderful as well, by the way. It's a good reveal. Thanks, I didn't see it coming. I didn't see it coming. It's very good. That, it's good. <laughs> I, I know that basically all of my main twists are hey, that person's related to this person. But <laughs> I don't mind. That's okay. No, it's that's how these things so work, that's... isn't it? You want to yeah, get lost. In and happy and then boom. Yes. I love Cocktails and Dreams being really cheap as well. That yeah, whole mall thing is perfect. That really yeah. comes from the rewatch as well because I'd forgotten yeah, about all of the it's in them all the malls and all that. That's amazing. It's, it's amazing. Grim. So <laughs> so one thing around the I really see like the crew's character there as being the, the patriarch, but obviously kind of to the side of the family. A Definitely. bit like you're saying, always going like there's a tagline there which is almost to like take your shot or whatever like do you know what I mean and he's on the post oh, take he's your on shot. one side That's and then like everybody else is like gunning for nice. it essentially the you know heavy wears the crowd sort of thing but the, That's and, good stuff like yeah. a Sopranos kind of that's like, exactly you know, yeah time. yeah that's good stuff man and and I think Cruz would lead into that kind of role wouldn't he He'd love that sort yeah and um, the um so do you have any thoughts around, because I think there's three characters I'm really interested around who you think would play them, but we, we've got to say, like, you know, it's Tommy, I'd love to know, and Rachel, I mean, and then Randall I, I, and April. Like, those, those guys, have you got any thoughts around them? Like, who no, honestly, in, in my mind, I see people, but they, I, I don't necessarily want them playing the people, and I don't think they're the right age anyway, necessarily. Um, honestly, with Tommy, I can't help but see Robbie. And that's why I called him Tommy, because in yeah, my mind, no. I kept thinking Robbie from Cobra Kai. Um, hopefully without you know, slightly less gormless face, but essentially I can't deny it. That's, <laughs> it's that sort of character. So no, I, but honestly for the teenagers, I want unknowns anyway. Uh, you've got Cruz, you know, and you've got Shu, and you've got Spock's brother from Star Trek V. So you've got the big hitters. Uh, and, and I've got like, um, you know, um, Uncle, Tom, God, is it called Uncle Tommy? That's bad, but who? that's okay. I don't care. But yeah, the uncle, I do have him in it somewhere. But no, in terms of, no. So the twins, uh, April and Randall, not necessarily early 30s. I'm open to suggestions, but I don't honestly have anyone in my mind. I see Randall actually being played by Laura Linney's brother from Ozark, <laughs> cleaned up a bit. <laughs> And honestly, that's probably that because... He's brilliant. Me too. Well, he was in Iron Fist and he played a kind of a J.R. Paul Robinson wannabe. And I'm sure my unoriginal brain is just, that's why I see him. But I do see him as Randall. But I, again, he's probably a bit too old. He needs to be like 32, I think. And he needs to play younger in the flashback episode. I'd love to see what you can do with that. Like around, you know, it'd be great to actually have it as somebody who is famously Cruz's friend and stuff, maybe. But I don't think Cruz has, a... has any friends, does he? I don't think he <laughs> yeah. allows for that sort of thing. <laughs> He's not Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was just thinking, because, like, you know, bringing Anthony Edwards or something as Andy 
but he doesn't look at any like prime right. grounds that's a bit unhelpful and also but, like, he know. has to be young to be the son he has to have been born around 1988 or 89 so yeah. he can't he has to be age appropriate he has to be right, the same yeah. age essentially as the twins um, yeah so yeah some young cool guy <laughs> sounds like i'm auditioning <laughs> You know, some were sexy, but not too sexy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you know, but again, I, I, you know, I'd be open to ideas. If anyone out there uh, has casting suggestions, so for the three, you know, for, for Andy and for Vandal and for April, they've got to be about 32. So I'm open to suggestions for that. That'd be awesome. The kids. Um, you know. that. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, <laughs> I do want a rival to cruise, but I don't want him to own another bar. The thing was, the the cruise dynasty dynasty uh the flanagan's uh dynasty is basically it goes beyond owning a bar it, it goes into politics it goes into players behind the players uh this family has deep deep power re you know far reaching you know crews shook a lot of hands and sucked a lot of dicks in the 90s and you know he he forged a lot of you know strong political you know district attorney and all this sort of stuff connections so there's you know so he has a rival like a real equal to cruise and that could be played i'm not going to say brad pitt but someone who could be you know and he's maybe introduced in the final episode of season one maybe even hold him off until like the final episode of season two because again this thing could just go you know you could conceivably after a couple of seasons lose major characters you know, and then you could have new characters and this thing could just go and go and go <laughs> theoretically. There's enough framework and characters and, and other relatives. There are so many. I had to write in bold that that Vandal and his like it girl uh, wife do not have kids because there are too many, too many kids, too many offspring. It's uh, everyone is having kids in this show, but that's okay. So yeah, there's a lot you can do, and also Kerry's family, the you know, the Alexis character, um, Tommy's grandma, that whole family. You can go deep into that in season two and three, and even establish a lot of it in season one. And she, I didn't really mention her that much in this, but she's in it a lot. I mean, she's in she, you know, her influence on Tommy. She's in season one a fair amount. You know, uh, manipulating and just oozing evil Lady Macbeth Spidey. <laughs> So yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah, yeah. This sort of like you know. I'm a super fan, Sheffy. I would watch that, and I don't like soapy things, but I, it will be a yeah. very interesting curio. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. It's funny yeah. that like so, I feel like it wouldn't be necessarily a very fun watch, would it? Like, do you know what I mean? But no, there'd be so much meat you, on the potato, like you know, it'd be like, oh yeah. There's okay. room for humour, but yeah, absolutely. It's like, and yeah, it's yeah. I, I wrote it as a pure soap opera. And it does have humor, but it it's not a comedy. There is there's room for levity, of course, there should be, but uh, no, no. And it's you know, and it's it has it tackles a couple of dark themes, but it's not you know, it's it's soap, it's 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 cappuccino froth ultimately. Uh, but yeah, there's a nice line against you know repenting from your wanky past and stuff like that, and also the old favorite of father issues, grandfather issues, you know, grandmother issues there's a lot there's, there's something very um actually i think i feel like it's i don't want to say as broad as it's an 80s trope but there is something in the 80s around sort of mental health being thrown into the movies but slightly glossed over a bit do you know what i mean like ah. doug, doug has got some 
problems, right? He's really like, he's deeply insecure, where, which is why he's helping out crews like that, you know? And I think the, and, and also like officer in a gentleman style, you know, his friend in the shower. And oh, you know, yeah. Spoiler alert, you know, but yeah. I feel like there's quite a lot of that stuff going on in the 80s and it's sort of explored a bit and it's quite shocking when it happens in these movies. And I wonder yeah. whether there's something there to be pulled a little with, um, you know, with young Tommy and uh, whether he might have some mental health as well. Like, do you know what I mean? That's sort of constantly bubbling and threatening to... Well, that's exciting. Through, yeah. I mean, ultimately, I'll have him as like an angry young man who's been lied to and is easily influenced. And that's really how I see him. And he certainly, you know, got, got into scrapes and his grandma is extremely wealthy, but his, you know, his mother is not. And so he came from... Yeah, I, I, you know, in terms of if you are going to have a character, I would give it. I give some. You know, if you want some sort of mental health thing, I'd give it to Rachel. Um, just something, you know, um, just to get it easy. I think Robbie has enough, you know, stuff <laughs> to be getting on with. But yeah, yeah, you could do that. Um, <laughs> Wish I'd be you more than bloody right for that. That was incredible. That was incredible, my friend. Thanks, it's man. Wonderful. Well, it was very satisfying. You know, normally for this, I write maybe a page and a half or type out maybe two pages, but a page and a half. This was longer than a page and a half. I mean, <laughs> just in terms of, you know, and I was missing stuff out as well, but just to keep it all straight and the name straight and stuff and building it, you know, there was a lot of planning in terms of building the universe. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's true. A lot of walks with the dog and thinking, <laughs> Oh, not brothers. Yeah, 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 it's good stuff. And only we would think that is time well spent, Sheppy. Like, it's wonderful. <laughs> I stand by it. <laughs> what else am I going to do? <laughs> no, no, it's fine. So, yeah, no, I'm, I'm very happy, uh, Jimbo. And that was a great suggestion. So thank you no, for that. No, thanks, man. It's brilliant. So this now, people listening to, this should be, I believe, episode nine. So I was thinking for episode 10, we can do an episode 10, but also like a little extra you know, for the 10th thing, just like it's a little conversation, not an official, uh, you know, sequel, but just talk about other other things a little bit. Um, so that might be exciting. But in terms of the official sequel, this must be the least amount of surprise, honestly, um, for you, because I've been talking about this since at least 1990, and I've been talking about specifics about this since I'm going to say 2011. And in 2016, I'm saying from China, I even wrote a fairly detailed treatment for this um, already. So I'm, I'm sorted. It's a miracle <laughs> I've waited this long before playing this card because it's talk about in the chamber. Do you have any idea? It's not the third Dalton, if that's where you're going. Um, it's... Um, the third film in the Romancing the Stone trilogy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have been waiting for this one from you. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Right. I have been talking about this for a while to the point where you probably know. I mean, I've, I've kind of, yeah, I mean, I, I have it in my head more or less what I've always seen it to be, which I've shared with you before. So it's not going to be any huge surprise. But yes, um, yes, I always thought that Romancing the Stone and then Jewel of the Nile, it just needed a nice, Kappa, uh, just to make it into a neat trilogy. So again, um, I'm not going to say, you know, if you want to make it a 2021, um, that's fine, or anything in between. Spoilers, of course, I mean, I'm going to make this as true to form, more or less. Um, this is going to be like a, 
an 80s. I, I think it kind of has to be, doesn't it really? To get them both at their peak and like, you know, to have the true adventure. No one it's, wants a crystal skull with this. Come on. <laughs> no one wants a crystal skull. I could have finished yeah. it. <laughs> um, well, there you go. So, so I'm loving it. So they, that's that's it. Yes. So Romance the wonderful Stone 3, Jewel of the Nile 2. Let's let's bring this sucker in for a landing. I like it. I might even like rewatch as well. Like, do you know what I mean? Just to kind of. Yeah. I would. You know, yeah. let's get some. If I have to watch cocktail, you should watch something good. I don't, <laughs> think that. I don't know if that's fair. It sounds bad, but yeah, no. Why not? They are good. Lovely, um, they are good. Lovely well, listen, people. man. Thanks for this. Thanks so much for rising to the cocktail challenge. And uh, yeah, very nice. It's been a treat. Well, thank you, everybody. Are we going to have a decent quote to see us off? What do you think, Jimbo? Well, I don't have any Coughlin's Laws up my sleeve, Jackie. I've got nothing left, nothing in the chamber for that. Well, Jimbo, it's better than a red eye. We'd love to hear from you. Please reach out to us at shoulderspod.com or shoulderspod at Twitter, Instagram and Facebook.